I was getting, I was getting a lot of no letters, and I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You, you have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. You, you, it's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can bow like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. It's bonus episode time, shooters. This episode, we talked to Frankie Cardicelli, the beat writer for the Sacramento Kings, who have some obvious Iowa ties with Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes. We discussed with Frankie the Kings trading up to draft Keegan and how excited uh, the city and Kings fans in general were that they drafted him, and obviously how excited they are about Keegan's future in the NBA. We also talk about Harrison Barnes, who was also on the team, um, and we discuss how or why he is a perfect match for that young roster being a, a veteran player um, and a really good role model and mentor on and off off the court. Uh, we also discuss the Tyrese Halliburton trade that kind of shocked everybody in Sacramento and across the NBA world. Um, we discuss who might have won that trade, uh, who may have won that trade in the future if a couple of things fall in line as well. So great conversation with Frankie. He's a lifetime Kings fan, so he was the perfect person to talk to about this. It was interesting to discuss with him um, a little bit more about Sacramento Kings, which we obviously being here in Iowa, uh, we talk about how late those games are on and uh, how we how he is going to try to work on that for us. He's going to gonna put in a good word for us that we need those games on earlier so we can we can watch till the end uh the old guys like like me can watch till the end if you like what you hear we would love for you to share this with a friend fellow iowa fan fellow iowa state fan whatever fellow nba fan we would love for you to share it with them you can find us on all the social networks instagram and twitter at shooters touch ia and on the facebook tiktok search for shooters touch and always remember shooters shoot fourth quarter down three need a two and one better call on me better call on me Frankie Carcelli, welcome to the Shooter's Touch. Guys, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here, happy to talk some Iowa basketball with you guys. Very, very excited, so thank you for having me. Yeah, how about that? We're uh, a little over 1,700 miles apart, but uh, have a bunch of connections from the state of Iowa out to Sacktown, and so we're excited that you took some time to jump on and chat with us. Before, before we get uh, too far down the road, though, for any of our listeners that don't know, who are you and why Why do we have you on the podcast? What do you do for the Kings? Well, uh, my name is Frankie Cardicelli. I grew up here near Sacramento in a small town called Yuba City. Uh, I've loved basketball my whole life. I played it growing up. And then when I stopped growing uh, in about pretty much fifth grade, uh, I'm about five foot eight, that I, I knew I would have to find a different way into to being a part of the game. And uh, I always had a passion for writing and and talking sports is loving sports in every way that didn't have anything to do with playing it once I stopped growing, like I said, but uh, 
I uh, kind of just got into it after college. I got a, an internship with the Kings. I was doing events and entertainment for a few seasons. And uh, once that happened, I kind of made the right connections and met the right people and got a job with uh, Sports 1140, where I work today. And I've just been covering the, the every game home for the most part, like I told you guys off off camera. But, and uh, it's it's been a real, real passion of mine, real joy to kind of cover my childhood team and been a lot of painful years since uh since 2006 i was 11 the last time the kings made the playoffs but there's uh, some new faces here and a new direction a new uh just a new vibe around this team and it's been really exciting but third year as the beat writer and things are looking up and hopefully they stay that way yeah we hope so too it's been a team as you mentioned it, they're fun to watch they're young uh, it feels like they're moving in the right direction but before we get to that, I, I do want to turn the hands back just a little bit. Do you remember what was your first Kings game? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when I was a kid, the Kings were appointment television. I mean, the Kings back in 2002, when they went on that real run to the Western Conference Finals, uh, I was in second grade and everybody at school was wearing their, their Mike Bibby jerseys, Chris Weber jerseys, Peja. It was just uh, you'd have families getting together for like parties, like viewing parties, like the, the next closest thing that we've had to that in this area was when the giants were, were going to the world series in the 2010s. And uh, the Kings were that for from 2002 to 2004, they were in it every season and they were making that push. And it was, like I said, appointment television, but uh, I remember going to games at old Arco arena with uh, my parents and just how loud the place gets. It, it, it was, it was truly something that you can't really explain. I mean, as loud as the King stadium, the golden one center they play now gets, it's nothing compared to where, where uh, Arco Arena was. But uh, I remember just a lot of loud noises, a lot of ear pain, but in a good way. Like the ears would hurt, but in a good way because, you know, things were going well. But um, it's where I fell in love with sports. The Kings are the reason why I fell in love with sports. It opened up the door to uh, every other aspect of, of being a sports fan as far as baseball, football. I started with the Kings and kind of went from there. But it's, it's definitely been more pain than fun, like I said. And uh, it makes you wonder what would it have been like if I would have grown up as a fan of the, I don't know, like uh, the New England pa England Patriots or the Dodgers right. or some other team that's that's been winning or even the Giants who I'm, I'm actually not a fan of. But uh, yep. it's it's uh, it's been a it's it's been tough being yep. a fan of uh, a team like that and growing up that way. But uh, it's gonna make it that much more sweeter when they get to where they want to go. That's exactly what I was gonna say. It'll make it that much more fun as soon as. Uh another few playoff victories come around as well. And so you were, so, so I got to know. So Jason Williams, white chocolate would have been just before that. Right. Cause he was, he there through 2001. So did you get experience any of that? I did. I did get to experience white chocolate. He was the, uh, it's a comparable trade. Some people are comparing the, the Jason Williams, Mike Bibby trade, which I know we're going to talk about a little later, but the Halliburton Sabonis trade, it was a move that really gutted the, the fan base. I mean, Jason Williams was, was beloved and I got to see him a couple of times when I was really young. I was about five years old, six years old. That was one of my first vivid memories of watching the Kings when I was five. My grandpa told me to check out this guy throwing behind the back passes and off the elbow passes. And it, it was it was again just something that helped make me fall in love with Kings basketball. But yeah, I, I definitely got to experience that. And still to this day at Golden One Center, when fans are piling in, you know, an hour, hour or so before tip off, Golden One Center will just throw up a five minute highlight reel of Jason Williams. He's done it every every game for the past four years, five years, they've played That's those awesome. Jason Williams highlights because the fans just love it. They eat it up every time. It's just kind of 
just gets you you just get locked into it there's still got to be some uh quite a few 55 jerseys i would imagine floating around there too they're they're a top seller in the store too they're still there and they are they're putting in new renditions of the jersey uh it's it's definitely a top seller i have a shirt here that i got from when i worked for the team that uh it's weber and and jason williams like nba jam and then just recently i have friends that still work for the team uh in the sales office and they are putting out another shirt for jason williams as a promotional item so (laughs) even though he was here for two three years it's still a very hot ticket item the jason williams merchandise i i get it i mean that was uh that was a lot of fun he he brought uh, a spark and life to the game that uh we all remember and so during the internship days, what so give us some of the players that uh, you were around that were on the roster back in those days when you first did your internship with the Kings. Yeah, my uh, my first year was actually De'Aaron Fox's first year. So oh, when, cool. when we, nice. I was like telling my girlfriend that we kind of came in around the same time and so comparable, right? A guy, <laughs> me and De'Aaron Fox, we're about the same thing, yeah. right? Same yeah. import, yeah. same importance. Uh, no, but it was it was De'Aaron Fox's first year. I got to be around Vince Carter which was no, incredible. Cool. It, it was surreal. Uh, it was uh, the first player I ever came in contact with was uh, I bumped into Pau Gasol in the hallway when the Spurs mm-hmm. were there. And I think it was, it was his next to last year in, in the league. And that was just a cool experience, but no, the, the Kings in that first year in 2017 were a tough watch. They won, I think 25 games. And it was exciting because De'Aaron Fox was, was he had arrived and he was kind of coming onto the scene and was coming off the bench behind George Hill at the time, which that was an interesting move as well. But uh, Zach Randolph, George Hill, Justin Jackson. I mean, there's just some oh, players right. that were around and and it was an interesting time for the Kings, but not a great time, but it was an interesting time. So Yeah, well, really kind of. So then through through school, um, did you have an opportunity to cover some other sports or what? Uh, what's a quick background from uh, from covering any other sports besides basketball? You know, I, I didn't because I, I didn't really I took journalism classes and courses and I took communication courses like uh, public speaking, speech, stuff like that. But I never really thought this was going to be the career that I would have. I mean, I grew up as an avid reader of the newspaper, the Sacramento Bee. My uh, my mom and my grandparents would both had subscriptions. So whoever's house I was staying at, I'd always go out to the driveway at 637 a.m. and I'd, I'd pick it up and I'd read the sports page cover to cover. Um, from a young age. And I just didn't know, though, if that would be something I would get into. I had always heard that being a media member, being a journalist, it was tough to make a living. And sure, like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, you know, rolling high over here. I'm not rolling right. in dough, but I do enough. I do well enough to, to live. And, and I'm, I'm very lucky and blessed enough that I'm in a position to, to do this for my job. And it's something that I picked up again when I was working for the Kings and there was an opening. And I took a job at the, the radio station that first wasn't even in, in the journal, the journalism side of things. It was in promotions and it was in what I was kind of doing with the Kings, which was uh, events, fan experiences, bringing people together, bringing people to um, events to kind of invest in either the Kings or our company, 1140. And when I saw that the website was lacking Kings coverage, I just said, you know, if I could populate the site with a couple of articles here and there. Uh, maybe it would drive some traffic and it just turned out that it would draw a lot of traffic because people are craving Kings content. Even when the Kings were really bad, they craved Kings content. This city just is so invested in what the Kings are doing. It's literally, I call it the heartbeat of the city of Sacramento because of how many different branches they have at a different 
aspects of entertainment and just togetherness the Kings can cause in this community. And now they bought the minor league baseball team, the Sacramento River Cats. Uh, they just have all these different things going on that even if you're not a huge basketball fan, you will be affected by it. And then the downtown area has been revitalized with the new stadium. There's all these different things that have happened. And with that being said, that means fans are interested in what they're doing. So I wrote about them a little bit and enough to where they want me to do a little more, a little more, a little more. And that turned into a 40, 40 plus hour work slate. So it uh, kind of worked out. Yeah. I would say that's a good, uh, good deal there for you. So your coverage, I know we talked a little bit about this off air. Obviously, there for all the home games and some of the West Coast games. Uh, is that correct? Is that something that you? It sounds like you're working towards continually finding more opportunities to bring more content and uh, you know more coverage of the Kings. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's still again, it's it's pretty early in my uh, my journalism career. It's my third year. Um, I just turned 28, so I'd like to hope that has a little bit to my advantage. I mean, is is as old as I might feel I'm getting, I think that I've heard from other people in, in the field that I work in that's that's young for the field that I'm in. So that I guess is a positive. I, one thing we talk about as Kings journalists with each other is, and this, this goes for any journalist, journalism, uh, journalist for any other professional sporting team, I think that as good as the team is, that's, that's going to benefit you as well. Because if the Kings win, we all win. We get more opportunities. Our our companies get more funding. We get more clicks. We get more sponsorships. We get more advertisements. People will want to invest more in, in a company that's bringing more eyeballs to their content. And that's not going to happen unless the Kings are winning. And we've seen that happen already over the past year when the Kings jumped up in the lottery and they did draft Keegan Murray. That generated a lot of excitement and buzz. Obviously, the opening of the season for the Kings 0-4, you saw numbers dip a little bit. But now, this is the best basketball the Kings have been playing in my adult life. And this is the best that our numbers doing on our website since I've been here for the past three, four years. So if the Kings win, we win. And that's something that we, we like to say around here and something that I like to, to use also as motivation, but um, obviously some things are always out. They're not always in your control. The Kings are, uh, I'm not in control. I'm not Monty McNair. I'm not the general manager. Uh, I'm not Mike Brown and I'm not the guys that are on the court making things happen, but, uh, for everything off the court, I like to, to do what I can. And um, if they're winning games, I'm going to put my first, best foot forward and produce the best content that I can. Definitely part of the team. Like you said, that's uh, yeah. part of the success. You got to have that, have that coverage and have the people that are there rooting for you. And uh, it sounds like you're definitely one of those through and through. So let's get to that. Uh, last night, big win uh, going up to Toronto. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive to go up there and, and get a, get a win up there with such a young team. What were your takeaways? Been a tough road trip. You know, they, they've been facing some teams that have top 10 defenses. They start against Cleveland. They go, uh, or they go to Milwaukee and then Cleveland. And, and those are some two, two top teams in the East and, uh, Toronto also is no slouch. I think they're sixth in uh, opponent points per game. Uh, but the Kings, Needed to get stops when they, when they absolutely had to. And late in the fourth quarter, they hold the Raptors. I believe the Raptors scored three points from the five-minute mark to the one-and-a-half-minute mark. And that's when the Kings made their made their run. And that also something that happened against the Cleveland Cavaliers last Friday. The Kings held them scoreless for the final five minutes to play, which was just something I've never seen before. They get in the game on a 19-0 run. But seeing the Kings kind of bear down and, and pull out a win like that, a one-point win against a, a Raptors team that – then they won a championship in 2019. Nick Nurse is a heck of a head coach. Defense is their thing. That's their identity. The fact that the Kings were able to push past that and pull out a win just kind of speaks to the growth that they're showing. And Kings teams of years past, 
10 times out of 10, they don't win that game. It's just, it's, it's never going to happen for the Kings last year. They don't win that game year before. Absolutely not. So it's growth. And the fact that you have guys like De'Aaron Fox, Demonis Sabonis, who are they're the two stars, they are performing on the road. And that's a saying, I think that I've heard on um, the past couple of days, you need your stars to be huge on the road. You need your stars to be the tone setters in the road. And then your role players can step up at home when you have that, that home court advantage behind you. But uh, they needed Demonis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox to step up big last night, and that's exactly what happened. So uh, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling on the fan base right now. Well, and you mentioned defense too. That's something obviously that will travel um, more than the offensive end. And with a young team, which the Kings are uh, and have been for quite a while, defense is always it feels like the Achilles heel. And so the fact that now, you know, it's still 124, 123, so points are getting scored, but the fact that they're able to get stops when they need them, um, that bodes well. It sounds like that may be a little bit of a culture shift and a little bit of toughness coming, um, which is exciting to hear uh, because of the reason why we have you on the podcast, and that's some of the Iowa connection. And so let's get to that. Uh, we talked, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but moving up to get the fourth pick uh, and ultimately taking Keegan Murray with that pick at number four. Let's start there with first the reaction. Um, I don't know how many Kings fans probably knew a lot about Keegan Murray prior to him coming up on some boards, but uh, what was the reaction with uh, the Kings uh, selecting Keegan at four? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been watching Keegan uh, last season, and he just had such a great year with Iowa. And I think when the Kings made that jump to four, I I can't remember which analyst, it was an NBA draft analyst, said it, but uh, he mentioned that the Kings already really liked Keegan Murray. And that buzz kind of grew and grew, and I heard a couple things uh, just through the grapevine that they had, had, him, had him on their radar since well before the lottery took place. That was going to be a guy they're looking to trade up for. Uh, that just was somebody they really wanted to bring into this team. And when the reports came out that he had had dinner with the front office and Demonis Sabonis, that pretty much locked it in for me. And I wasn't really surprised when they picked him. And um, I think that the biggest debate among Kings Twitter at the time of the draft was Jaden Ivey or Keegan Murray. And while Jaden Ivey was someone who was explosive and you saw the highlight real dunks he had, he's such an athlete from his time at Purdue and he's just a guy that can set control, can control an offense. When you look at the reason why the Kings made the move to bring in Sabonis, it was because they needed De'Aaron Fox to flourish with the ball in his hands and his hands alone while setting the tone on the offense. And that's why, to me, when Keegan Murray was selected, I felt hopeful because they were going to bring in a guy who had the ability to knock down shots, somebody who was a good defender in college, a great defender in college, somebody who can be a, a floor spacer, somebody who can bring more length to a lineup that desperately needs it, like Sacramento is needed somebody who could come in and be a replacement to Harrison Barnes. If Harrison Barnes decides to go in a different direction this off season, as his contract expires, the Kings are in a good place right now because they have King Murray who can play the three or the four. And it just kind of brought a lot to the versatility of this team and what he brings. Cause he's a versatile player. And so far we've seen it in stretches as an NBA player too, that he plays like a veteran. He doesn't get panicked. He plays within his game. Sometimes the shots aren't falling, but next game, he doesn't have any fear. He tries to shoot his way out of it and successfully has done so over the past couple of games. Um, so draft night, the fan base was very excited. And obviously what followed in summer league created just a buzz. It was the best summer league performance I've ever seen uh, a Kings player have. And honestly, one of the better summer league performances I've ever seen uh, in recent memory. So the Kings uh, picking Keegan Murray, I think was a huge win for the fan base. It was a huge win for the, ro- the just the, the roster for the long haul. And He's coming into his own right now as an NBA player. 
I think it's still interesting to, to think about how it hasn't even been that long that he's been in the league and it just feels like he's been here for much longer, so much longer than, than 20 games or 25 games, however many it's been, but it just feels right. Well, and I think with his efficiency too, to all those points that you mentioned, um, he's so efficient with the basketball and he's not a volume guy, um, you know, and you have a few of those guys that, as you mentioned, are more, can create more with the ball in their hands where he's, he has the ability to take, you know, fewer shots and still be just as effective. And so over the long haul, I think it'll be interesting to see how that all kind of comes together. Like you said, as roster changes, um, it's part of the league. It's part of how things work. Um, but you mentioned summer league and, and the performance that he had, did you get an opportunity to go out to Vegas or what does that look like for you? Have you worked out in the contract yet? Yeah, we, we, we got that locked in. I was, I went to Vegas. That was my first summer league experience and man, it was, it was incredible. And that first game, when uh, Keegan went up against Paolo Bancaro, it just was, it was one of the best basketball games I've ever seen. I mean, just the fact that it had to go to double overtime, sudden death, that was super entertaining. And the fact that Keegan went head to head with Paolo, who will, will probably be rookie of the year this year. And, and yeah. he's a hell of a talent, but uh, Keegan held his own and he was dominant all summer long and just seeing it up close and in, in personal, which I hadn't had the chance to see Keegan play in college, obviously. So you just kind of got an idea in real game speed of how good he is and how good he can be. And summer league was, I think a great uh, appetizer to what's happening now as a pro. And uh, like you said, Keegan is someone who is not a volume guy. He doesn't need to be a 20 point per game score right now for this Kings team the role that he's in right now is somebody who can knock down shots and, and play defense. And, and uh, when he needs to kind of play out of his zone, I think he will. And we've seen him be aggressive and go to the rim and he's still kind of learning how to do that at the NBA level. But uh, the role that he's in right now, he is, in my opinion, playing very well. And it's, it's again, the beginning. We can see him in a completely different place a year or two from now. But uh, Summer League gave us a good idea of what that would look like if he is the number one or number two option in the offense. And uh, it was a fun sight to see. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And fun, fun place. That's just Summer League in Vegas, just basketball all the time. Sounds like an absolute blast. It's, for, it's for like us. Disneyland. It's like right. Disneyland for basketball for fans. Hoopers, That's, that yeah. was. Yeah, somebody explained it to me when I got there. This is like Disneyland for basketball fans. And uh, yeah. it really, it really was. Yeah, that's a bucket, bucket list item there for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Put you on the spot a little bit, small sample size, but, but what do we see for a ceiling so far with Keegan? Um, is there uh, maybe a player comp or what do you think that the ultimate potential could be for him as he kind of really starts to hit his stride, whether that's, you know, next year or even two, three years down the road? <laughs> I mean, yeah, has Keegan Murray come out and looked like uh, like an elite talent out of the gates? No. But, I mean, again, he hasn't needed to be that. He hasn't had a chance to really be that guy. I mean, it, if if De'Aaron Fox and Devonis Sabonis were to go down, I'm going to knock on wood, but if either of those guys are both forever to miss time uh, together, that opens up the team in a way that I can't even begin to comprehend because if you have no Sabonis and Fox, somebody has to step up. And we've seen Harrison Barnes can be that guy, but you need more than that. And – I don't think Kevin Herter is a guy that I would look to to be a number one focal point on offense, but Keegan to me would have a very interesting role if, if you were to wave a magic wand and, and put him on this team without Fox as a bonus, or even put Keegan Murray on Orlando or put him on another Detroit, a team that he would be uh, a focal point. And that's something that Mike Brown pointed out saying that Keegan Murray, if he was playing for either of those teams, he might look a lot different. He might be a guy averaging 20 plus points per game right now. That's the kind of guy he is. So as far as the ceiling goes, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how it unfolds. I think his ceiling is very high. I could see him as an all-star talent. I think that uh, he likes to, to use the comp of 
Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton wasn't a superstar when he came out in the league either. He took him a year or two to kind of find his footing. And the reason why Keegan Murray would not be able to do that as quickly is because he'd be playing for hopefully a good Kings team. And that's what's happening right now. And again, it could be what the next chapter looks like for his, his career and what this Kings team, what those look like together. Because Keegan Murray, two years from now, could be their number one or number two scoring option. You don't know how the next couple of years are going to unfold. You don't know if Demonis Sabonis is going to reach a contract extension with the Kings. He'll be an unrestricted free agent in summer of 2024. Uh, De'Aaron Fox could need another big to kind of, or, or forward to play alongside him. You already have that with Keegan Murray. We'll have to see how it unfolds, but it'll be really interesting to see how he plays when that happens. If there is an injury or if there is a situation where he needs to step up and do more, that's where it's going to be interesting to see who he really is because right now he's a third, fourth option in the offense and he's doing his role. He's playing his role well, but I still think the ceiling's high. We saw it in summer league. I don't think it was a fluke. Um, Three point shooting is legitimate. The length is legitimate. His defense has improved as the season's gone along. Um, he learns, he's learning as he goes. And that's something the coaching staff is very, very complimentary of Keegan is that he is a learner. He's picking things up in stride and that means to me, he's going to be a successful NBA talent. Chris, that Chris Middleton player comp uh, potential ceiling. I like that. I, that right. I feel like that's a, a pretty good fit. Um, if we could get, keep it, keep it hometown, we could get a little mix between Peja and Doug Christie, then, you know, I think things would be going well. So that would be very ideal. And Kings fans <laughs> would love that. Absolutely love that. Those are good years. Those are good years. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned it too, Frankie, that, you know, it's, uh, we obviously saw it in college. Uh, he was just a walking bucket. College is different than the NBA, obviously. But, you know, the small sample size in um, in Vegas, Summer League, had him as, you know, probably the number one uh, uh, with number one option, number one scorer on that team um, and handled it very well. So it'll be it will be good to see. And I think just in my opinion that, you know, hey, somebody running in and, you know, having to be the number one option right away as a rookie, that's tough, you know only a, only a few players in the world could do that. Um, having the opportunity to have kind of a ramp time um, up to maybe being number one, I think is, is, um, is a positive for his career and for him coming in um, as a rookie as well. Yeah. I mean, like I said, if, if you coming into a winning situation and you can be kind of molded into that type of player on a, on a winning team, like you're not having to be thrown into the water and, and sink or swim. He has a little bit of a safety net right now. And I think that's huge for development. You see good teams that can draft well that are already winning can have done. I mean, Golden State has done a great job drafting over the past couple of years. Maybe not in the Wiseman draft, but the past couple of years outside of that, they've done a good job of drafting. Uh, the the Phoenix Suns, I mean, Mikel Bridges has been a yeah. great pick. There, there are people that can come into new situations and they can develop at their own pace. And Keegan Murray does not need to come out and be a star uh, from day one. Like he would have needed to be, like I said, in Detroit, in Orlando, um, Houston, uh, uh-huh. he has a little bit of a safety net. And that, to me, has me feeling very optimistic that if he can play in Mike Brown's system with this great coaching staff, alongside good players like De'Aaron Fox and, and Sabonis and Herter, Malik Monk, he gets to become – he gets to play, come up in a winning environment, hopefully, and become uh-huh. a winning player. And he knows all about that from Iowa. Iowa had a great team. And that's the thing about some of these players that have come into Sacramento – most players that come up through college and, and through the system like that, they only know winning. I mean, they've won in high school. They've won in college. They've won in parks and rec. They've won forever. And when you come into a situation like this, the Kings have had over the past couple of seasons, it can wear you down. 
And I think De'Aaron Fox, his, his progression, uh, he wasn't a star in year one either. And I think that that kind of people were a lot harder on him. And if Keegan Murray was in that situation, I think we'd be having a different com- conversation. I think people would be a lot harder on him, which to me isn't fair. If Keegan came in a new situation like Fox in 2017 and the Kings had four wins right now, people will be saying, mm-hmm. well, Keegan Murray's not got to pick it up. He's got to pick it up. No, I mean, it, it just, it's a tough spot to be in. I think that really is huge at the fact that Kings are where they are right now. It's big for the, the Kings, of course, but it's also big for Keegan, who's a rookie starting for this team that's currently six in the Western Conference. So it's just going to be a process. And it's a process that can, can take as long as it needs to as long as the Kings are winning games. I mean, it's, it's about the team and Keegan knows that. And he's somebody who has a massive role in this team and his role is only going to grow over the next couple of years. Not to mention uh, the fact that uh, in high school, um, you know, he was getting to that time where he had to decide on college and there wasn't, wasn't a lot of people recruiting him. So uh, his family and him made the decision Him and um, his other brother were going to go to prep school and, you know, he ended his career at Iowa like he did. So, you know, that that whole ramp ramp time system is, is you know, something that has worked well for him uh, in the past, too. So, um, well, you know, awesome watching Keegan and awesome, you know, following him along, you know, in in Sacramento and in, in the NBA. But uh, got another tie on the Kings uh, with Harrison Barnes, um, originally from Ames, Iowa. And actually, uh, I, I actually coached against him when he was in high school. And, um, you know, just in it, just an incredible high school player here. Uh, his team was absolutely loaded and, um, has a couple moves made, has made a couple moves through the NBA. Um, obviously ended up right now in Sacramento as from what I see, um, the second oldest player on the team, which isn't, isn't, isn't very old. Um, so what, what has his, uh, what has his role been this year? Um, how do you see it in your mind? And, you know, how has that kind of maybe even, I mean, shifted from his time uh, with the Mavericks? It, it's shifted greatly since he became a King. And when you look at where he was in Dallas, he signed that big contract. He left the golden state warriors. He was kind of seen as the number one option when he signed there, which is kind of crazy to think about number one option. And coming to Sacramento, he got to kind of slide back into that, that role he was within Golden State, kind of the third, fourth option, and he's thrived. And to me, he's somebody that I think is – we like to say that Harrison Barnes is uh, one of the – the or if the NBA player that could become like a politician, like become the next president of the United States. Harrison Barnes is that guy. And he's huge in the locker room. He is a leader for this team. And it, it's it's someone that not makes an impact not only on the floor but off. And that's why he's so important. And it was a conversation I had on a podcast I recorded today um, with a couple other Kings journalists that there's a conversation of maybe the Kings should extend Harrison Barnes. That's how important he's been to this team and how important he is to the locker room and how guys look to him as a leader. And like you said, age 30, is that, is that crazy old? I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't think so at all at all. Uh, and that's, it's just crazy how sports work and how 30, he's 30 already. I mean, he's been playing for so long and he's done so many things and accomplished so much, but the fact that he is somebody who, like I said, if, if injuries happen, he can be that guy. He can be someone that can step up and, and take on more of an offensive role. He's done it before. He's been in winning situations in golden state. He's been in losing situations in Dallas and Sacramento. And uh, now he's kind of helped steer this new group, this young group along towards the respectability. So Harrison Barnes is another one of those guys that just is so valuable He's trying to build right now from a cultural standpoint um, and from a basketball standpoint. Harrison Barnes has been 
a, a massive part of what they're building. Yeah. And, you know, um, on the court averaging um, um, almost 14 points, five rebounds, um, you know, as that kind of mentor there and, you know, looking to compare him um, and Keegan, you know, both six, eight, right around two twenty. Um, you know, obviously on the offensive end skilled on, on each side too, but um, how, how have you seen just maybe at, at in practice, maybe in the locker room, but um, Harrison acting as, as a mentor, you know, obviously we talked about him being that second oldest on the team. It's gotta be good for that coaching staff to have somebody like him who, you know, we talked about it before um, uh, with Keegan, you know, he level-headed uh, Harrison the same way, you know, could potentially be a politician in the future. Um, and so, you know, he's, he's on the straight and narrow, you know, above the shoulders. It's gotta be huge for that coaching staff. Has that ever been, um, has that ever been mentioned in, uh, you know, in practice in your time talking with that coaching staff? Oh yeah. I mean, I've heard that it's like having another coach on the floor. I mean, Harrison, he's so knowledgeable and, and like you said, he's very calm, his, his demeanor, uh, very stoic and on the floor, you never see him get flustered. And again, that comes from his, his long pass with basketball. I mean, being a Tar Heel, uh, winning an Olympic gold medal, uh, winning a championship, he's, he succeeded at so many levels and he brings so many different, you know, perspectives into this locker room that ha- has a lot of guys that haven't really won many, many things. I mean, they have, they have Matthew Delvadova, who's another guy that has been uh, a leader and he's someone that was a part of a lot of good teams in Cleveland, but um, Harrison Barnes is at a different level. Harrison Barnes has been a star of this game. Uh, he's been a basketball household name. I, I, in my opinion, since he came out of the draft in 2012. And I, I do think that having him on the roster has helped this coaching staff. It makes life easier on everybody, especially the coaching staff. But even like guys like Keegan, guys like De'Aaron Fox, who spoke very highly of him. And uh, and I, I've heard from people that I know that De'Aaron Fox absolutely just adores Harrison Barnes, loves him. So that is goes throughout the whole locker room. And, and I haven't spoken to every player by Harrison Barnes exactly, but uh, I know that that sentiment remains true. I know that he is one of the voices in that locker room. Uh, it's one of the guys, like I said, I think that he is a, a special piece because of what he brings off the floor. It's almost as important as on the floor. And last year, he had the best year of his career numbers-wise. And this year, again, he hasn't needed to be that guy because the Kings have Demonis Sabonis now who's been able to step up and, and kind of lighten that load. He's been someone that has been coming on more late. He is uh, shaking off a rough start to the year. But it's 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 Harrison Barnes. He's gonna figure it out. He's a guy that you can pencil in for fourteen and five a night, in my opinion. Someone who's gonna knock down you know three or four triples a night, um, and that hasn't changed. But um, he again, I just can't state enough how valuable he is to this team on and off the floor. What's uh, and you may not know, but what's the contract situation? So you you mentioned that he obviously becomes uh, um, a free agent at the end of the season. Um, is it something that I mean, an extension could could be in the cards just because that, everything that you said, it's so hard to find those veterans in the league who have kind of been there, done that, that you can get at a price that makes sense for winning, but is basically invaluable to some of these younger guys because it does feel like he is that perfect bridge between future and current growth with the Kings. And so is it something that uh, cap space would, would allow to, if, if the moves are right to bring him back? Yeah, no, I think that is definitely something that's been, is possible. And that's been kicked around both by, by Monty's side and Harrison's side. I think that it's something that uh, both has discussed, but it's also something I think that I wouldn't be surprised if they wait until the off season, because I think Harrison who's entering, he's 30 years old. This is probably his last year. He can really secure a big payday. I mean, he could probably bring another three, four-year contract for, for good money. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that it might be a situation where he waits till the end of the year. 
I think that a return to Sacramento is something that would interest him, especially if the Kings are winning games. Right. And right now they're looking like a team that could, could not just make the plan, but make a top six seed and make a, a, play, a playoff run. I mean, knock on wood, of course, but um, mm-hmm. no, I mean, Harrison's someone I think that I would personally, again, we talked about today. I was on the side that I would like to, I, if I were Monty McNair, I would try to get him locked into an extension. I don't know what that would look like exactly. I'd imagine it wouldn't be what he signed a couple of years ago, which right. was around four years, 80 million. I would imagine it'd be more in the maybe three year, 55, 60 million range. I mean, right. or, or probably 50 million range. It, yeah. it, it's just like the Kings need to figure out a couple of salary cap things as far as does Sabonis, Sabonis, does Sabonis want to sign a contract extension this summer? Will he wait till he hits the market? Um, just knowing what you're going to have down the lines is very important. And you know what? De'Aaron Fox has his max contract, uh, and that's pretty much all you know over the next couple of years. Kevin Herter's locked in. He's on a respectable deal, making about $17 million. Keegan Murray's on a rookie-scale contract under control for seven years. That's a big positive. But uh, if you want to bring in another big-ticket guys, and again, we have to see what the Kings do this trade deadline, um, that's kind of what has to come into play. But the, the main reason that conversation came up was Harrison Barnes as an expiring contract that was one of the main selling points last year while the Kings were, were quote unquote, looking to move him. I don't, I'm not sure how, how aggressive they were on looking and looking to move Harrison Barnes. I don't think they were that aggressive, but in normal years, that's what would happen. The Kings would trade an expiring contract with Harrison Barnes, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The Kings are not broken. And Harrison Barnes is absolutely not the reason why anything would be broken. So I would say there's an above 90% chance he stays with the Kings uh, past the deadline. And uh, at the end of the season, they probably will kind of come back to the table and, and see what's going on contract-wise. And so you, so you mentioned it right now, currently sixth in the West. Do you see any moves? Is there anything that has to happen to ensure that you stay in those top six spots? Or, as you, I mean, you mentioned it a couple of times, don't, don't break things up as it seems to be moving in the right direction. Yeah, they need more defense. I mean, like we talked about, defense is uh, – the Kings have a number two offense right now in the NBA – so that's not an issue. Scoring the basketball is, is not an issue, but getting stops is, and they have had uh, a couple of good spurts. They climbed from 24th to 15th in defensive rating about a week or so ago. They're back down to 18th, but they need some rim protection. And Demonis Sabonis has been a bust defender over the past couple of weeks, but they need to bring in somebody that can primarily a bench piece that can come off the bench and be a rim protector. And there, there's been some names float out there. I know Nerlens Noel is a name that could be available. Um, mm-hmm. Mo Bamba is another name that uh, some Kings fans cool. have been been clamoring for. Uh, but good. yeah, but I mean, it, it's it's going to come down to what's it going to cost. The Kings have Rashawn Holmes, who uh, has fallen out of the rotation. He signed a four year deal last summer, so there's three years and thirty three million they have to, to take into account when trying to move Rashawn Holmes' contract. But they they need more defense, and that could come in. in that could come in the size of a small forward, a power forward, or a center. <laughs> it doesn't really matter for this team. They just need more depth at the forward to center spots and, and primarily defensive, a defensive impact. Yeah, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on to see what uh, changes they are able to make because it it does feel like maybe that one rim protector away from really having an opportunity. Like you said, I, I think they can stay for sure in that playoff hunt. And then it's a matter of, you know, going out and finding a way to win a series. Yeah, I mean, you know, they have the pieces right now. They have the pieces, which is something I couldn't say a couple of years ago, they have, uh, they're about six, seven, maybe even eight guys deep of, of quality rotation players. And that's something I've never seen while I've worked for the team recovered them. So um, it's adding to that. What can they do to kind of push that forward? They need more, obviously they're in a good spot, but 
I mean, the Kings are not a championship contender, and I don't expect them to be a championship contender this year. But if you can make a nice run and, and snap the postseason drought, first of all, they they own the longest postseason drought in North American sports. Ooh. Get that out of the get that out of the way, and then yeah. maybe we'll go from there. You know. Yeah, that's uh, a good goal to have there to be able to get that snap that and then go out yeah. and be. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Seattle Mariners, for <laughs> That's snapping true. your 20, 20 year streak. Yeah, that was a great timing. Yeah, now put all, all the pressure on your way. So yeah. that'll be uh, that'll be fun to follow. Like I said, they've been a you know have some pieces and been an exciting team. It's great to to see them start to put things together and and, and win because it is a team that obviously we have some some close ties with. But just for basketball fans in general, um, I've always enjoyed when and the Kings are on, get an opportunity to watch them. You, you, we brought up to the Golden One Center, obviously where the Kings play their home games. What's what's the coolest thing? So somebody who hasn't been out there or someone, one of these Iowa hoop heads that we have that all of a sudden now wants to go watch the Kings, what can you tell us about that facility and um, maybe the fan experience or what uh, what you'll really enjoy if you get an opportunity to get out to Sacktown? Well, first of all, if you come out to a game and see a win, you get to see the beam. I don't know if you guys are familiar oh, with yeah. the beam. Beam, beam. <laughs> that has yep. swept the, the the sports nation. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge aspect of it. And people are – it's like the eighth wonder of the world right now coming out and hoping they can see <laughs> – get a glimpse of the beam. But uh, it's a beautiful new building. It opened up, uh, I believe, 2016. Yeah, so it's uh, almost seven years now it opened. It's still primarily or a, a, a basically new building. But the – the atmosphere there is it's the best I've ever seen it. There've been some, some tough years. I mean, obviously with COVID too, uh, the attendance was down. The Kings losing games kind of put a dent in attendance too. I think fans are finally fed up of, of a losing product after the fact that they came so far, uh, the relocation that almost happened in 2013, they, so many things have happened. And then the fans kind of just said that we, we need to hit pause for a minute until ownership does something to move this product forward. And now that the team is winning games and, uh, they have a, a rookie that is a big name in Keaton Murray. They have two stars and De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, they brought in some great role players and, and like I said, Harrison Barnes, Malik Monk, Kevin Herter. Uh, they, they have the number, I think, five or six scoring bench in the league. There are just so many reasons why this team is, has generated the excitement. And there's buzz right now. So when you have that kind of buzz, you have full stands. And uh, Golden One Center, like I said, it's not quite Arco, but it's like its own thing. And Kings fans are so passionate and, and they, they, to me, unbiasedly, I think they're, they're one of the most, most passionate fan bases in sports because of how much they've been through and how much they want and how much they are starving to have a winning product on the floor. And it's uh, something that De'Aaron Fox even said too, that he would like to be a Sacramento King for the rest of his career because he compares this atmosphere to Kentucky, to a Kentucky basketball game, a college atmosphere. And he said, if you can win in Sacramento, I mean, it's, it's almost better than winning anywhere else because of that nobody's ever done it here before. No one's won yeah. in Sacramento before. And that's kind of like a thing that, you know, I'm not saying that's a flex or something that other, <laughs> that the Kings haven't won. It's great that the Kings haven't won. We get to keep our <laughs> players. But uh, going somewhere else, like if De'Aaron were to leave and go to the Lakers or, or, or the Bucks or somewhere that's won a championship, it's just not the same as, as bringing a city its first ring. And that's something that he hopes to do. But uh, coming to Golden One Center, you won't be disappointed, especially if you want to see your Iowa guys. We got a couple of those out here. So uh, if you're ever in the neighborhood, come on by. And come say hi to me too. It's section 105. 105. Absolutely, we'll do that. Um, one of the other unique things about uh, the center is the the address. So 500 David Stern Walk, right? It is, yeah. is the address of the of the stadium, and that is 
obviously David Stern, NBA fans know exactly who that is. And so that's a tribute from what I understand. It's a tribute to him and the efforts that he made to make sure that the Kings stayed in Sacramento. Is that correct? Yeah. He had a huge hand in it. You know, uh, former Sacramento mayor, Kevin Johnson and and the ownership group that was led by our current owner, Vivek Pranadive, they, they made the trip out to New York and David Sturm uh, gave them their case. He could have just said, no, I mean, Seattle has the funding and they have the group that want to get this done. Let's put the stamp of approval on it and let's move on. But he gave them a chance to make a pitch and have a plan to have uh, a plan for the arena, uh, the economic plan. They had all these things that they had to present to the board of governors and David Sturm was the man behind that and he made it possible. And when the Kings proved that they had an ownership group, they had the funding, they had the, uh, the agreement with the city on a new arena downtown, that was enough to, to push a deal forward. So uh, David Stern, and of course the, the press conference where he came out and, and told uh, the media that, that the NBA had rejected the sale of Seattle. It just is, it's a memory that's seared in the Kings fans brains for forever, especially mine. I was in college at the time and it just was like, I, I almost cried tears of happiness. You know? it, it was it was really one of the better moments of uh, my young life, I can say, watching that happen because it was super important to me and every other Kings fan. That's again, like that's that's all the city has as far as professional sports, um, as far as professional sports go. The Kings are are Sacramento, so <laughs> David Stern had a huge hand in that, and his name gets to be plastered uh, on this building as long as it'll be standing. That's great, and that uh, is huge, as you mentioned, for for the city to be able to keep that franchise and. <laughs> give them hope and something to entertain them. And so that's, uh, that's great that that's stayed. And then for all of us NBA fans too, I mean, it's something where we want, we like, I mean, there's a sense of nostalgia. You gotta, you gotta stay home. You gotta stay where you belong and the Kings belong in Sacramento. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, we wouldn't, we couldn't have you on without at least talking about the trade uh, that many Iowans more so on the other side of the state. We've talked a, a lot about uh, a Hawkeye and then little cyclone turned Tar Heel. But uh, then there's another uh, another cyclone in Halliburton in which that we have to talk a little bit more about uh, another nice draft pick there and in, in, in finding that talent. But then ultimately shipping him out and uh, to bring back a few pieces and take us through a little bit of the reactions initially with, uh, with the Halliburton trade. Shock. I mean, shock. That was uh, my reaction to it. It was definitely something that I had even heard. And I think it was kind of just this, maybe the organization is kind of putting on a facade. Uh, we had heard that, that the Kings were fully set on building around Fox and Halliburton. And in retrospect, it's a backcourt that possibly or maybe could have worked out, but both of those players, Ian Fox and Tyrese Halberton are so good when they're the primary ball handler and distributor. And it just really wasn't the same. And both of their numbers took a dip um, when both of them were, were having high usage rates, obviously. I mean, they cancel each other out and mm-hmm. the Kings needed a different impact. They needed a different kind of angle on things. And the number one rumor was that De'Aaron Fox was going to get moved. The Kings were looking to shop De'Aaron Fox. That was the rumor that we had been hearing. That's rumor that was out in the press that the Kings had been kicking tires and some deals for Fox. And it's something that really kind of happened quickly. And I guess what turned out happening is, is uh, De'Aaron Fox was assured that he was not going to be moving just not too long before the trade went down. And next thing you know, my phone's vibrating and it's a Woj notification that Tyrese Halberton's been traded to the Pacers. So it's something that shocked the fan base because Tyrese Halberton was somebody that was buying into being a Sacramento King. There are so many shots of him wearing the Jason Williams t-shirts, the Doug Christie jerseys. 
uh, just was was into the history of the team and and someone who really was happy to be here, which I think he even said it, which is true. Not many people would be happy to be drafted in Sacramento. It's a tough spot to be in for the reason that I mentioned earlier, being drafted from from winning situations and winning environments into losing is not easy. And Tyrese <laughs> Halberton was ready to take that head on and he was ready to be the face of the change. And that to me still hurts that he was hurt by the trade. It hurts the fan base that he was so hurt by it. But obviously when he came back a couple of weeks ago, he got a standing ovation. And like I've seen in years and, and the fan base will always have a soft spot for Tyrese Halliburton. Like when you're, when, when you're asking ownership, when you're asking management about that trade, what was there was there any explanation from them or was it just kind of uh, just quiet? You know, th- of course, they're going to be a lot more vague with with the media. They just would – their answer was they had an opportunity to bring in a great talent in Demonis Sabonis and right. somebody who's a big man who can space the floor, somebody who can <laughs> open up different avenues of the, of the game. And, and they're right to that regard. I mean, I think if the Kings were to move one or the other, Tyrese Halliburton or De'Aaron Fox, I mean, the Kings with De'Aaron Fox for – in the same trade, I think it would – it would the, the team would be in a better – a good, as good or a better spot than they are now. I think that this trade would have worked out no matter what happened because De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, to me, are both franchise talents. They're both all-star talents. And there's different types of players. De'Aaron Fox is a scorer. He's a, he's a scorer through and through. And Tyrese Halliburton is, to me, the best distributor that the league's seen since Chris Paul. So hmm. it's just kind of a different aspect of the game, and that's kind of the way the front office would, would answer to it, that um, this team needed an, uh, an impact inside. And that's true. I think that De'Aaron Fox mm-hmm. or Tyrese Halbert needed a big, and as good as Rashawn Holmes had been, he wasn't that guy. He's not Demonis yeah. Demonis, who's a two-time All-Star, probably going to be a third-time All-Star, uh, somebody who can just control the game in a, a bunch of different ways. But I still think it's a trade that is, as well as it's going for both sides, I think it hurts the Kings still. I mean, it hurts the Kings' fan base in, in that regard. I think it's still going to be something that bothers them as far as happy as they are to see Tyrese succeed. Just the fact that they had him and moved him, it, it hurts. But again, having Sabonis, who is thriving, playing the best basketball of his career, De'Aaron Fox is averaging 24 and, and, and five, and he looks like somebody who could be on the cusp of making an all-star team. It might not happen this year, but it could happen in the near future. Uh, it'll depend on how the next couple of weeks unfold. But it was a trade where both teams, I think, come out winners. And that doesn't yeah. happen too many too many times in sports where both teams have come out. Indiana had a great start to the season, and Tyrese is playing like an all-star. He probably will be an all-star. And Demonis Sabonis is probably going to be an all-star too. And the Kings are playing well. So we could see both these teams or both these players facing off in Salt Lake City at the all-star game. And that's just it's a kind of funny, a funny twist of his trade. I don't know if you told me uh, last February that both these players would be suiting up in an all-star game uh, if I would have believed you, but it just change was needed in Sacramento. He was their most attractive asset and they had to pull the trigger on it. And will the Kings win this trade or will the Pacers win this trade? We might not know for a couple of years. We really might not know until um, I think two, three years go by. But if the Sacramento Kings don't make the playoffs and Demonis Sabonis leaves next summer, the Kings lose his trade. Yeah, right. Very, very emphatically loses trade. So it's really going to be interesting next year and a half to see how it all pans out. Yeah, that's. I mean, you bring up a lot of good points in the fact that Hal Burton and Fox are having the years they are having because they aren't playing on the same team. And so that's something where it's just like, how, how do you know? And then Sabonis, same thing. I mean, it's something that right now it looks good for all on all sides, but uh, it'll be, yeah, always interesting to see how things continue to change and develop. And you, and, and even with Halbert and he was have, doing some nice things too, but I felt like he's taking that extra step in the off season too. And so it's a little bit of, 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 
crystal ball trying to predict what these guys are going to do. And so um, that's interesting. But then looking at, so the rest of that trade, obviously then part of that, you know, Buddy Heald got moved out too, and he was with the Kings for a while. Um, fortunately, got rid of Tristan Thompson's um, uh, contract as well with that deal. But then brought back a couple of guys no longer on the roster either. And so it was, there's a little bit of a, of a cap dump, I think, with that as well. But um, obviously, Buddy came back too. He, he was he was warmly received, right, when when they came back to Sacramento? Uh, no. No? <laughs> but I think, no. Uh, he wasn't. You know, I, I don't – that that was a co- topic of conversation around the Kings, uh, you know, radio shows and podcasts last week is why – why was he received so poorly? And right. I, there, there's a couple things. I mean, Buddy had kind of a – he was moving to the bench for Bodon Bogdanovich, and he had a couple of comments in the press about how he, he hated coming off the bench. I think that he really views being a bench player as like a knock, which right. I think is very strange, but he does right. view it that way. It's important to him that he starts. And he – it kind of started with that. He had some contract negotiations with uh, the Kings for a GM, former GM body Divots that didn't go very well. Um, which resulted in him being ended up being paid anyway. He got four years, I think, eighty million with incentives. So um, he said he had a couple things that happened over the past couple of years, and he had a lot of turnovers. The the defense has been an issue since he came in, into the fold. There, it just was time to move on from both sides, I think. And it was a, a contract that I think Monty McNair really was wishing would not have been agreed to by Vladi Divac at the time. But that's yeah. also a good aspect of it. Like you said, the Kings were. Uh, pulling off a salary dump, which I think is one of the main reasons why they had to include Tyrese as well. They were dumping uh, yeah. three years of Buddy Heald for almost $20 million a year. So that's that's a tough sell. That was, I mean, two to playing style. Again, he's he's a more of a volume guy. And like you said, not never been known as a defender. And when you aren't getting stops and you're paying a lot of money and, the, you know, you're that's just tough. That is uh, – it's 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 tough to have on the roster, but makes it easier to move. And it'll be, uh, I think, in the long run, if as long as you can keep Sabonis and maybe get that rim protector here, that uh, will end up being a being a good thing for the Kings um, moving forward. And so, Crystal Ball, if we give you the opportunity and we say two, either next season or three years from now, what we bring you back on? What are you telling us about the Kings? What 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 have they done over the the past two years here. I'd like to hope that by that point, they made the playoffs at least twice. Uh, okay. I like to hope that Keegan Murray is, is about as secure as first all-star bid. I hope he's, he's finally starting to kind of turn the corner there as we've seen all the other guys kind of uh, come into their own after two, three years in the NBA. Uh, I'd like to hope that De'Aaron Fox has been named an all-star team, named an all-star team. And uh, I mean, winning games is most important to me. The, the playoffs is most important to me. If the Kings can be in the uh, perennial playoff team in the next three years, as in they made it more than once, uh, that's all that I and the rest of the fan base really care about. I mean, getting these guys to the playoffs, getting a playoff game back into Sacramento at Golden One Center, seeing what a playoff crowd looks like. I've never been to an NBA playoff game in my life. I mean, I was a kid. I only watched on TV. Uh, so that's most important to me. Let's see how the next three years unfold. Is, is Demonis Simonis a king? That's another question three years from now. Is he locked into a five-year deal, a five-year max contract? Uh, those are the questions that are going to have to be answered in the next couple of years. And then what about personally? Are you going to be covering the whole gamut? Are you going to be East Coast in two, three years? You're going to be full, just full Kings coverage. 
I love that. I love that. I'd love to uh, have have a couple postseason uh, postseason years under my belt as well. I've never covered a playoff game. Oh, that wasn't the Kings. I mean, I've I've wrote, written some stuff here and there about non-Kings teams, but it's not the same. You know, I want to be in the stadium. I want to have my the popcorn that they give us in the media room. I want to have my popcorn <laughs> at my side while I'm watching the Kings play in the playoffs. So yeah, hopefully three years from now, uh, I'm I'm a more polished 31 year old man, and I have some experience watching postseason basketball, and um, you know, I'm just much more wise. Hopefully, that's right. what happens. And then last last one for. Last one for me. I'll I'll uh, I'll leave you alone. But uh, looks like uh, NBA futures has the Kings at forty three and a half. Are we going over or under on forty three and a half this year? Oh, it's really going to depend on health. But the number I have in my head right now is forty six. So, right. and they they are they are already halfway to the win. They won thirty games last year. They're already halfway there, and we're not even at Christmas yet. So that's. That's, I mean, again, you can't get ahead of yourselves and, and believe us or believe me and the Kings fan base. We're not getting ahead of ourselves, but uh, 15 wins with a week and a half till Christmas. That's, that's kind of crazy. We're looking at the Kings that can maybe be a 20, a 21 team by then. So um, I'm going to go over. I like it. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Well, Frankie, we appreciate you taking some time and jumping on with us and talking hoops and more specifically Kings basketball and a couple of our Iowa guys that are out there and, um, we wish you and the Kings the best of luck here as you guys continue to move move through the year. We hope you have a great holiday season, and we appreciate you taking some time for us. Fellas, great time. Uh, Iowa people, please keep you know giving us those these these Iowa talents. We love them. We yeah. love these Iowa these Iowa talents out here. So keep them coming. Keep them coming. Hey, uh, one re- one request from me and probably most of Iowa, if you could get these Kings games to start a little bit earlier. So, uh, so we can stay up till the end. That'd be, that'd be perfect. So, um, next time we talk, let's, let's make sure that happened. And, yeah. uh, we'll, be- <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put in word to Adam Silver and say, you know, I think that viewership really would, would be, it'd be better. Let's get these games at five o'clock Pacific time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're, you're in luck though. The Sunday games, we have a lot of Sunday games coming up and they start at three o'clock Pacific. So you should be in, in some luck there. Those are, those sounds are great to me. What would yeah. a what would a five o'clock um, start look like for traffic wise in in Sacktown trying to get to, to the stadium? Traffic in Sacramento is not too bad, but at five o'clock it'd be kind of tough. Downtown would be kind of tough. Uh, I would not I would not enjoy going getting to the games if that was the case. I would not have a good time. So for my <laughs> sake, I hope it stays at seven. But All maybe right, well. you know enjoy 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 the end of this East Coast trip though. Tomorrow's an early game. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. We got you there. We got you there. there. You yep. But, uh, um, Hey, as Brian mentioned, Frankie, it was great to talk to you. Great to, uh, learn a little bit more about you and you know, the, the insider on the, on the Iowa guys out there in California. So uh, we appreciate your time. We'll be, we'll be watching moving forward and, um, yeah, hopefully we all get to watch, uh, watch a Kings playoff game this year. Absolutely. Seeing Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes thrive in the playoffs. That's, that's the dream, but, uh, guys, it was Love a lot it. of fun. Thank, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.